Blog Talk Radio. All right, and it's good to come to you today from just south of Deport, Texas. I'm Brother Francis. You are in the Old Fast Broadcast, broadcast at St. Baptist Church. And uh, it's our privilege to come to you this morning, bringing you part 136 in the series, Getting to Know Jesus. And uh, it's been a blessing all the way from, from uh, when... Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist, and Mary was pregnant with Jesus, forward to this present day, and now as it is, we are simply one week away from Jesus being nailed to the cross of Calvary. One week, and yet we have so many things to cover between now and the cross. So many things to take take account of last week. And uh, as we come to this to this stop along the road, I just want us to remember that Jesus has walked his way south out of Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho, you remember, Blind Bartimaeus began to yell at him from the ditch at the top of his lost, Thou son of David, have Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He yelled it over and over and over until Jesus turned around and called for him. He saw his blind eyes. And once his eyes were open, and Jesus said, you can go, go your way. He went right behind Jesus. He followed him. Uh, when he got free from his darkness and he could see clearly, he thought, I need to follow Jesus with my life. And then just down the road, the commotion was heard that Black Bartimaeus had been healed. And, and Zacchaeus, the chief of the tax collectors, the, the most prominent, most dreaded and hated man and feared man in town, uh, as far as your money went, here he was, and curiosity got the better of it. He heard that, that he had opened the blind men of eyes just up the road, and back he had said, I can this for myself. So he climbed the tree up and got up on the tree for them above the heads of the people so that he, being a short man, could look down and see Jesus when he came by. He didn't want to get a glimpse of the man that said he'd done so much, and it healed so many people. And before he knew what had happened, Jesus looked up and called him by name and said, Make haste, hurry up, come down. And he did. And he came down and positively received him joyfully. So he believed on Jesus Christ as his Savior up on that tree. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Pay attention. Put that down and pay attention. It's time for preaching. Okay? So he received Jesus joyfully and came down from that tree limb and, 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 a change was made in him. He wanted to restore anything that he had taken wrongfully from people. When Christ, when Christ, his love filled the life of someone, there is a difference in them. They're not the same person they once were before. They, they don't look at, at their sin the same as they did before. Why? Because now, now we have God in us. Now we have the nature of God in us. And we're different. We're not the same as we were before. And Jesus said, sure, to this place, Salvation has come to his home. He 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 gotten saved. It's for real. And just as sure as he's a child of Abraham, he's saved today. And folks, now he's coming on down the road. He's coming on down the road. And I want to tell you that all the disciples and those around him, the people who are following in that huge crowd, as they're coming down the Jericho Road towards Jerusalem, they are confused as a termite in the yoga. 
They truly are, because they think that they are about to march into Jerusalem, and Jesus is then going to take his rightful place upon the throne of David. Herod is going to be thrown to the side. Jesus is going to sit upon the throne of David, and he's going to run the Romans out and be a conqueror, and Israel will be restored, and everything will be right, and the millennial kingdom will be ushered in. I mean, they don't, they don't know all those things. They don't understand. I don't believe all those prophetic things, but but they but they they're thinking this if he's Messiah, this is now. And they're all confused. And so we see that Jesus comes. I want y'all move those weapons, please. And we see that Jesus comes down the road. He comes down to a very familiar place. He comes down the road and he, and he comes to a little place right outside of Jerusalem, a city called Bethany. And he comes, and one last time, Jesus makes one last rest stop before he continues his journey to the cross. I want us to look this morning in our Bible. Look there in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, and we'll read down from verse 11 of chapter 12. John chapter 11, verse 55. We'll begin there and read down through chapter, chapter 12, verse 11. The Bible says, And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus. They were looking for Jesus everywhere, and they spake among themselves as they stood in the temple. What think ye? that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he would show it that they might take him. That means arrest Jesus. They were ready to arrest him. Now, chapter 12. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, and he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them and sat at the table with him. Then took Mary, found an ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burial has she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because by, that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Now let's go to the Lord and pray and ask God for his blessing and think for us this morning as we come to the Scripture. Father, Lord, we come before you today. 
And we ask you, Lord, that you might meet with us in the presence and the power of your Holy Ghost. Lord God, I pray that the scriptures be open to us like a fragrant flower, Lord, and we smell your presence, that we know you're there. Lord, that our senses are awakened and aware of the, of the presence of God Almighty in our midst. Father, I plead with you, please come now in power. Come now and deal with hearts. Come now and, and make us aware. Lord, take our thoughts from the distractions of life. And Lord, may we focus and get our attention on the scripture, on the message today. Let the Holy Spirit of God move and, and, and reach into our hearts and minds and make changes in us and draw us with a hunger, with a desire closer to Jesus Christ, closer to our Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that you do a work in me today. Lord, please do a work in the one that listens. Father, I plead with you for your honor and glory's sake, for Jesus' glory, for yours. Father, I thank you. In Christ's name, amen. All right. Like I said, this is like the last rest stop that Jesus was on. It was a, it was a place that Jesus often liked to stop because these were, these were his friends. Now, look up at me. These were Jesus' friends. Now, you might say, well, everybody that Jesus met got to know was his friends. But you know as well as I do, you have lots of friends in life. But we have some who are close friends. We have some who we, who we sit down and eat with, fellowship with, and that we can count on. People that we can call if we have if we have burdens or problems that we can talk to. People that we can, and we like to say, somebody we can be real with. You know, and, and not have to worry about their judgment or their... I mean, that, that's the kind of friend, poor Jesus didn't have to worry about those things anyway, but that's the kind of friend that Lazarus and Mary and Martha were to Jesus. But in a sense, I think that, that maybe maybe Jesus singled them out to show us what a relationship with him was supposed to be like. I mean, we, we are supposed to be close to him, and these people were very close to him. And, uh, and so I, I think maybe, this, again, there were probably others in Jesus' life that we are not told about in scriptures that he was close to. But this particular family, the Lord singled out for some reason. Uh, much in the script, like in the scriptures. I mean, you got to realize when the Bible, when, in the book of John, it says, it is, John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, God didn't make it, didn't take that out of the book. No. I mean, as a matter of fact, he let they put it in there over and over and over again. Why? Because we need to know that. He loved us. And he certainly loved these three, Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. And I want you to know something. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha all truly loved Jesus with all that they were. They loved him. They knew who he was. They, they believed on him. They trusted in him. He was their Savior. And they loved him with their whole heart. And I want you to understand something. Even though they all truly loved him with all their heart, they expressed that love differently. Now, just looking around the room here, all of us, all of us have got two arms and two legs and a head, and, and all of us got hair. Some of us more than others, but we, we've all we're all made out of similar things, but we're all different. Every one of us looks different. We're all different shapes and different heights and different sizes. We're all different, but we're all similar. Okay, and even though believers, we're all similar. We express our love differently. And, I, and, I, and I'll demonstrate what I'm talking about. How did Martha love Jesus? 
when Jesus showed up. Martha prepared a meal for Jesus. And I guarantee you, everything, every bit washed and filled, she did in love. Every piece of meat that she cut, sliced, and, and cleaned, she did it in love. Every herb that she crushed and, 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 and mixed with the food to make it taste uh, good, she did it in love. I guarantee you, she milked the goats or the, or the sheep or whatever she did. She did everything that she did and turned the butter, prepared everything just so, baked the bread just so, she did it with love for her Savior in mind. And I want you to know that Jesus appreciated what she did for him. And he returned that loving kind to Martha for the thing that she did for him. She, he appreciated her. And, and I want you to notice, and I know we remember from what's before, back in Luke chapter 10, when Jesus had come and said at the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, that, that Martha came out and started complaining and fussing because Mary wasn't in the kitchen helping her, and you remember. And it caused Jesus to correct her. He didn't correct her harshly, but he corrected her in love and told her, said, you know, you're too worried about that. And she's out here getting the best part. She's out here listening and learning. And instead of being worrisome, uh, and he was correcting her for her worry, okay, but not here. There was no need for correction. Martha had taken his correction the right way, and so the next time he showed up, she learned from the correction, as we all ought to do. When the Lord corrects us, we ought to learn from it and not go back to it again. Now, I know we're human, we fall down, but we ought not to go back and make the same mistake over and over again. All right? But she served. She did everything that she could for him, and it was all for him. I mean, believe me, there were other people that showed up. She had a, I mean, I can't even imagine cooking for that many people. She didn't even know who all was going to show up. Because the Bible told us that people just showed up to see Lazarus, because Lazarus been raised from the dead, and the curiosity of it is, and, 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 it got to people. They wanted to come out, and people got to talking. Word of mouth got out of and, and, and Bethany. I mean, and even further out, people probably came from near and far just to sit down and, at the table and talk to him and hear him talk. And, 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 and so that was Lazarus' way of loving the cross. Martha made a big meal, prepared it, and, and probably had just a buffet of food. Probably a huge spread of meat. They were wealthy people. They had the meat. So I'm sure she picked, she prepared a great big meal out of love. But it wasn't for everybody else. It was for Jesus. Everybody else just shared it. But Lazarus, what does he do? What if Lazarus doesn't cook to show his love for Jesus? That's not his calling. What does he do? Lazarus sits at the table and gives his testimony of what Jesus has done for him. Now, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure it was amazing. Can you imagine? Here's Lazarus sitting at the table. Here's Jesus sitting at the table with him. And here's all these people coming around to find out what happened. And so Jesus, as you give me, can you picture Lazarus laughing? You know, it was an amazing thing. I was in the grave. It was dark and I was dead. I didn't know anything at all of a sudden. I'm awake, I'm alive, and I'm in the dark grave, I'm covered in gray clothes, and I hear Jesus saying, Lazarus, come forth. And I just walk toward the sound of his voice, and the next thing you know, people start unwinding me, and I'm back. I just think of that. What an amazing thing. 
sit there and tell that story. And I'm sure he reached over and just hugged Jesus. Oh, I can just picture it in my mind. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Praise you. Praise your holy name. I mean, I'm just saying, he's given Christ the Lord. That's how he loved it. Do you know that you can do the very same thing Lazarus did? Did you know that you can love Jesus by telling him how you once were, were dead in your sin? And he came to you in your deadness and your darkness, and he spoke to you and showed you that he was the Savior, he was the Messiah, that he's the one who came and died for your sins, and that by faith and believing in him, that you have eternal life now, and you're never again going to be in that dead state. I mean, you can share what happened to you with other people and love on Jesus just like Lazarus did. You say, well, uh, okay, well, you can do like Martha. I mean, you can, you can. You can do things for others and, and do it in Christ's name. He said, He said, you remember where he said, you know, when you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. You can use what talents you have for those who are in need. And Christ said, it's just like you're doing it for me. So you can show your love in that way through serving just like Martha did. So, I mean, Lazarus said that thing. And he ate and he drank to prove he was alive. He ate and drank to the glory of God. That's what he did. That's how they, that's how they proved. I guess that's how the Jews proved they were alive. You remember after Jesus resurrected, he ate some, he ate some fish and some honeycomb out of the seashore to show them, hey, I'm alive. So that's how Lazarus is doing. He's sitting there at the table saying, see, look, I'll just real. I'm alive. Look, here, eat a little bit. Have a drink. See, I'm alive. So he's doing that. He's doing that. He's doing that. Amen? Listen, there are, and, and I say this with you, there are people in this world who they don't do great things, they don't build huge churches. Are you listening? There are people who don't, they don't do massive things, their names are not in the table. They, they just, they live for God. They quietly go through suffering for Christ. They endure much for Him. And in doing so, their life is a testimony to how God can cause somebody to overcome difficulties. Again, they're not—they're not looking for praise. They're not looking for somebody to brag on them. They're just living to give God glory. And we're listen. And by the way, that's the point of living life. That's the point of a believer being here. Listen again. God's glory. Express to you. Okay, we put coffee in a coffee maker, and the water flow, hot water flows through it, and it expresses coffee. That's why they call it espresso, because it's expressed hot water through it. And God, God uses us in His life and puts us sometimes in hot water and flowing through it. Like we said a while ago, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ expresses Himself through us, and what comes out. For me, it will be different from what comes back from you because we're all different. But regardless, God gets the glory. Do you understand what I'm saying? All of us are used differently, but it doesn't make one any better than the other. Our lives are just here to give God the glory. Amen? Listen, let's look over to 2 Thessalonians 2. 2 Thessalonians 2. To read to you real quick. 2 Thessalonians 2 14. The Bible says, Whereunto 
he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's God called us with the gospel. He drew us to salvation. Why? So that okay, to the obtaining to the so that we would so that, that Jesus Christ would receive the glory from our life. That's the only reason we're here. So that Jesus gets glory. Why? Because if Jesus gets glory, guess what? Other people hear of Jesus. Jesus gets the glory. Our testimony of salvation points the way of salvation for other people so that they can know him in salvation. So that they, in turn, can give him glory. And the more people that give him glory, guess what? The more people get to hear of his salvation. The more people that get to hear of salvation, guess what? The more people get saved. And then the more glory. It's given to Jesus Christ. That's how this works. That's how this is to happen. That's God's design. We are here on this earth. The only reason we're here is for His glory. Let's look at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to look at verses 27 and 28. This is where Jesus made this statement. He said, Consider the lilies, how they grow. Y'all know what lilies are. They're flowers. Most of the time, they're very beautiful flowers, especially those ti- uh, tiger lilies, the orange ones that grow around here. A lot of times you'll see an old home place somewhere, and there's no house anymore. You can tell it was a house at one time, but out by where the mailbox would be, somebody planted them years before, and year after year, they keep coming back and giving glory, even though those people are long gone. Jesus said, consider the lilies how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. They don't work. They toil not means they don't work at being what they are. They spin not. They don't make themselves clothes. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow, is cast in the earth. How much more will he come to you over the world? What They don't do anything. That's all they do. They look beautiful. And what else do they do? They take the perfume that God gave them and they turn it loose into the air for us to endure. That's what that's all they do. And yet God points it out here as an example of how we are to be. Listen, our lives are to show forth the beauty of God. Our lives are to let forth into the air the fragrance of who God God is and what he's done for us. That's exactly what we're to do. Just like the flowers. The flowers give God glory. He made that. He's the one who put that fragrance there. He's the one who put the colors and the beauty there. Everything in nature gives God glory. It's there for his glory. When the birds, the pretty colorful birds sit on the branches and, and sing in the morning as the day as the day breaks over the horizon, listen to me, they're giving God the glory. They're not singing for me. They're not singing for you. They're singing for God. They're his creation. And we are too. And we're to give him glory with our lives. So, what's Mary going to do? Again, they all three love them differently. So, what's Mary going to do? I mean, 
she wouldn't help all her way in amongst the men. That wouldn't that wouldn't be fitting and proper for her to do. She didn't she didn't do that. That they were all they were all gathered in, crowded in, talking about about Lazarus and what had happened. So she didn't do that. And she wasn't a very big help in the kitchen. We already know that. From the other place in Luke. I get the feeling that Mary was probably a little smaller. I get the feeling that Mary was probably uh, a very beautiful girl. I get the feeling that Mary was, she probably had long, beautiful hair. And uh, so what did she do? Well, Mary, in an act of love and worship, she said it all for a little while. In an act of love and worship, she went and she got her, her precious point, and she brought it to Jesus. Here's what happened. She began to think, you know, guests would be anointed with oil. That was a custom back in the day. And I don't know that it had not already been done. But Mary said, what can I do? What can I do? And she remembered that she had a box of one. She had a box of one that was in her was in amongst her things. Maybe it was in her own chest. Maybe she had a whole chest in her bedroom. Maybe she maybe she was saving that for her wedding day. But because it was very precious, very expensive on maybe she had it put up and thought of maybe maybe it was for that purpose. But whatever the reason was, she thought to herself, that precious ointment that I had. It was probably the most expensive thing that she owned. And it was, yeah, it was, it was put up for safekeeping. And she thought to herself, what can I do for Max? What can I do for him? And she remembered that order. She didn't ask anybody. She went and got it. And she came back with it. She must have had very long hair like this. And it was probably very beautiful. So what did she do? She took that very precious ointment in that act of love and worship, and she took her beauty, or her hair, and she used it to wipe it on Jesus. In other words, she gets it to Jesus. While everybody else is expecting this triumphal entrance in Jerusalem and setting up the kingdom, she doesn't expect that. Because Mary is one who gets it. She realized what he had taught was true, that he was born to die for, the, for our sins. She understood the gospel. Mary believed. And if you don't believe me, all you have to do is look back to the resurrection of Lazarus. When she said, she said, Lord, I believe that he can live in that last day. And, you know, I believe he'll live in the resurrection. And, she, and he said, I am the resurrection. Well, I believe when Jesus told her that she's Paul, he's going to die. He's going to die and be resurrected. I mean, Jesus uh, raising Lazarus to the dead, all of that was to picture this. He's using this family to, to, to bear that testimony, to be a prophetic testimony of what was about to take place. So she got it. She's really, she's really a bright spot in the New Testament among believers. She's one of the, I mean, she's one of the, the fact of Jesus. She's the star of the New Testament as far as I'm concerned because she saw what all these other men couldn't see. 
and you know what? She decided she wanted to give all she had. When you see it for yourself, let me tell you something. Look up here at me. When you see who he is for yourself, when you really truly see who Jesus is and what he's done for you, you'll decide to give all you have. You don't want to give part of what you have. You want to give your all to him. I'm telling you, it's the stuff that changes life. It's the stuff that calls missionaries to go to the mission field or leave all that they have. It's the stuff that, that calls pastors and evangelists to give their lives to the ministry. It's the thing, it's, it's what sobers up drunks and causes them to be good dads and good husbands. It's what causes, it's what causes uh, harlots to make good mamas and wives. It's the stuff that fixes broken marriages, that brings home wayward children. It, it's, it's what, it, it, it fixes things on and on and on. You name it. It's the understanding that he is everything he said about himself is true. He is everything that he said he was and more. So that brings us to the message. That was the introduction. All right. Now we're just going to go to the next Two points. Stay with me. So we look at what she did. The title of the message this morning is pouring out of the heaven. It all comes down to her one action of adoration. Two points. Number one, concentration. Number point two, diffusion. I'll explain. The first thing I want to look at is her concentration. Again, she brought all that she had. Now, let's talk about this. Imagine she went and got that box of wine and she came in and she poured out by a quarter What kind of picture was that? She wouldn't have painted nearly the picture of her pouring out every drop of that precious wine on his feet. Again, it cost her a lot. It was very precious and valuable to her. But she brought every drop of it and poured it out on Jesus' feet. And then researching spike it's, it's a it's a it's an ointment, it's a perfume, it's it's a um, uh, it's a deodorant, a deodorizer uh, of sorts. Uh, it's used in a lot of different ways. It had a, a sort of a mossy smell to it, from what I understand. But it was a very powerful, very powerful aroma. So she brought it all. And, I, and when I thought about that, she brought it all and she poured it all out. And I say concentration. She didn't, she didn't walk around the house and put a little drop in this corner, a little drop in that corner, a little drop over here, put something on the front door, by the back door, back on the track. She didn't do that. So she brought it all. And she concentrated the whole amount right there on the She used every drop of her feet. Somebody might say, that's too much. It's too much. Oh, that's too sweet. No, that's too much. She didn't care. She brought it all for him. Half or part won't do. You remember the woman in the temple? She put in her two mites, and Jesus said she gave all that ever, more than everybody else. Why? Because she gave all she had. That's what God wants. God doesn't want to play second place in anything. God doesn't want to be in second place to our desires. God doesn't want to be in second place to our wishes. 
God didn't want him to sit in second place behind something else. Think about Ananias and Sapphira. They gave they gave part to the Lord. Didn't work out very well for them. No, she poured all of it on Jesus. Let me tell you something. That's what God does. He has our whole life poured out for Jesus. You know, that's what Paul said right before he died. He said, I'm ready. He said, I'm ready to be poured out. I'm ready to be poured out like an offering. I want to be poured out for the Lord Jesus Christ. He talked about his head taken off and his blood being poured out like a drink offering. That's what he wanted to give his life to Jesus. We don't have to give, it's not that we have to give our life in death to Jesus, but we don't pour our life out for him. She concentrated, listen, she concentrated her heart, her mind, her soul on him. When she did that, she realized that nothing that she had was so valuable that it was valuable apart from him, that she, she wanted to give what her best to him. And that's what she did. She went and got the very best thing that she had to bring. And again, she didn't care about what anybody thought about She didn't say, hey, no, I'm going to go get my perfume, and I'm just going to take it all. I'm going to come back in a minute, and you're going to smell it, and you're all the way to see that all this doesn't bother anybody, but I'm going to pour this out over here with Jesus, okay? So y'all, all the doesn't bother anybody. She wouldn't apologize. She came back in and she poured it out as though it was only two people in the room, her and Jesus. We tell you something. You ought not care what anybody thinks about what you do for the Lord. Listen, if you if, if God puts it on your heart to serve him, serve him. Listen, I'm not I, I, I didn't get up here to preach this morning because I, I I care about what people out there on the internet think about me. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make sure that if, if somebody does say something. If they don't like the way I sound or the way or, or they do like the way I sound or they like what I say. This is not about me. It's about the Lord Jesus. I don't care what people think of me. I don't care what they do about how I serve him. They may not like the Bible I use. They may not like the way I talk. You know that that's not important to me. What's important to me is that I bring glory to the Lord. That's all that is important to me. Again. She didn't care what other people thought. And here's that Judas over across the room. And he's thinking, boy, I, I hate that he was so upset. And he said, you know, he said, really a shame that y'all, that she wasted that over there. I mean, we could have helped a lot of people. There's a lot of poor people we could have helped with that waste of money over there. And again, he wasn't worried about it at all. About the money they wasted. He wanted to sell it and get the money. He can't sit and worry about what other people think. See what I'm saying? He said, oh, we could have helped the poor. He said it. But his motive was this. Again, so we can't be concerned with people saying things. Well, yeah, I, mean, I don't think I want to do this and that for the Lord. And I'm your business. Amen? Listen, I had somebody tell me just here recently. About some other people, ladies don't think I ought to be writing stuff for Jesus. They don't think I ought to be writing my thoughts down and giving stuff to the Lord. They don't think I'm in the right place to do that. Well, holy on them what they think. If God puts it on your heart, do it. As long as it lines up with Scripture, do it. 
If it violates Scripture, no ma'am, no sir. But if it's in line with what God has said, do it. She didn't wait for the perfect moment. It's, what do you mean by that? Well, she wasn't, she wasn't waiting for an opening. Again, she wasn't. Well, I better wait for supper, son. I better wait for everybody to get done eating. I better wait for the food comes before I dump out of the perfume in the house. It's going to smell the whole house of perfume, and you don't even be able to smell the food market until you back there here in a minute. She didn't wait for the perfect moment. When God moves upon her heart, she moves. There's so many reasons why we don't do what God puts on us to do. Well, it's just like the right time. I just don't feel like maybe it's the right time. We'll look, we'll look, we'll make every excuse in the world when we're feeling offended. I just, I, I don't want to offend anybody. Forget it for God. Forget who you're offending. You're always going to offend somebody because they hate the Lord Jesus. Give him glory regardless of who it offends. She didn't care. She didn't wait. She concentrated everything she had on Jesus. And concentrating all on all Jesus is the only way to serve worship. Yeah, halfway is no good. Parkway is no good. He gave his all for you on Calvary, didn't he? When he died on that cross, he didn't hold one thing back. He poured his life's blood out. And he died. He wasn't partly alive. He was dead. He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He gave his all then we're to give our all for him as he gave his all for us. So it was a concentration. Concentrate everything. But then we come to part two, which is the decision. Well, what happened when she concentrated everything? Well, I knew what happened. Everybody.
she loved him. She knew he was going to die for her. She knew that he was going to be her savior. She believed on him. And because of that, it was personal with her. And I think so, you know why? You know why? Why they knew it, she pointed out, because it was a real deal. It wasn't some phony perfume, it was a real spikeman. And it's powerful. And again, it wasn't a bad smell. It actually, I read that it, it, it gives off a calming effect. So, and, and that's just, that's just, isn't that just big? <laughs> it ought to give off a calming effect when God's people are serving God. Amen. It ought to call it to a bank. But it was the real deal. It was easily detected. And that, there was no mistake in it. And yet, it's everywhere. Everybody's in heaven. Everybody's smelling it. And when, when your service to God is the real deal and it's not fake and phony baloney, when you're serving God, it's easy for everybody else to see it. They won't be no. In this regard. There won't be none of that. It'll be people look. It'll be people not through your face, but by, when you're not there, talking about your service to God and saying, "Wow, I wish I, I wish I heard God like that." That's what you want. Not somebody to come up and write articles about it and brag you, but for others to see your walk with God and say, "That's what I want." That's the way that that's 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 what was going on here. Let me say something else too about her pouring this out into the diffusion of the broadcast smell. That's what we ought to call it. The broadcasting of the smell. I mean, but y'all have all not not say all the kids have, but y'all have heard of oil diffusers. That's what they do. They broadcast the smell of the oil into the air. And that's what happened when she poured it out. It was a powerful room. I said that already, but I'm gonna make a point. Language. It didn't go away right after the funeral. It was there for many days thereafter. I'm sure. I'm sure. Long after Jesus was in the grave, probably even after he rose, you could still smell the grave tomorrow. You know, like I said, it lasts. And when you and I live our lives, we pour ourselves out for Christ, and we and we do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. It lasts. And I tell you, there are books and books and books and books and books written about the people who have served God faithfully without recognition or without 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 taking recognition and praise. Yet thank God because they have served God. And you, you, I mean. Again, Jesus talked many times that, you know, it's going to be remembered that this person did this. Why? Because it gave him glory. Because it gave him glory. I mean, listen, the works of the works of Moody, the works of Charles Spurgeon, the works, the works of, uh, of, of great men of God down through the ages, they're still referred to. They're still referenced. Why? Because it was for Jesus' sake and not for their own. Lasts. When we really truly serve God, it'll last. You'll leave a legacy behind you. 
with what great love he loved us, you and I. If we had that in us, if we would spend time instead of wasting our time on amusements constantly, and that's all we do, folks. That's all we do is amuse ourselves. And let's be honest, the word amuse tells us what we're doing. To amuse means to think. To amuse means to not think. Instead of meditating on what Christ has done for us, we spend our time not thinking about what Christ has done for us, and we do nothing. If we would spend our time meditating on what Jesus has done for us, it would begin to burn in us. Like Jeremiah, like Jeremiah said, he said, when I tried to not preach, he said it was like a, a fire shut up in my bones, and I couldn't forbear. I couldn't hold back. Well, it began to burn in me. Listen, he didn't have a cell phone to stare at and flip through Facebook. He didn't have a, an Xbox to play on. He didn't have a, a Nintendo Switch and all these different things that we sit and play games on constantly and stare at and look at. Meaningless garbage and dribble that goes by us every single day. And we look at it like it's so important. And we ignore our soul salvation. We ignore our call to preach the gospel to every creature. And we waste the time. It ought to consume us. It ought to drive us to repentance. And if it did, then our lives would be ready to bear the sweet presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for me. I want to do a better job. Pray for you that you'll do a better job. Pray that God get a hold of you. Pray that God deal with you. Look at yourself in the mirror of Scripture and realize that you fall short. You don't measure up. That we need more of him, less of us. I heard a preacher say that this week. Less man, more God. We need less me, more God. What did John say? I must decrease. He must increase. I don't accept that way around. He must increase. I must decrease. More God. Let's leave. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I come before you today. Lord, I deliver the message. And Lord, I pray that as we, as we look here today upon the actions of, of Mary, Lazarus' sister, and how she sat and thought, how can I show my love to Jesus? And our heart burned again in glory. And how she went and got what was precious to her, poured it all out. And in doing so, got the attention of everyone in the house. And they all had to they all had to pay attention. Lord, I just pray that we would live our lives in such a way to love Jesus. Lord, not not doing it according to a pattern of exact similarity with everybody else. But Lord, being ourselves, being who you made us to be, Lord, I realize not everybody can get behind the pulpit and preach. 
Some may do it by caring for others. Some may do it by encouraging. Some may do it by by taking care of, of needs and expenses or, or there's so many different ways that people can do things for others. Lord God, I just I pray that you'll make it clear to us what our calling is, what our talent is, what what our our reason for being on this planet is. Lord, I pray for the one out there listening to me this morning that doesn't know Jesus, that's never been saved. I pray for them this morning, Lord. You know where they're at. You know the turmoil in their heart. Father, you know what's going on with them. Holy Spirit, God, I pray you reveal it as clearly as you can that they are lost without Jesus and on their way to hell to pay for their sins. And Lord, that they don't have to, that with the eyes of faith, they can look to Jesus, they can look to the cross of Calvary where Jesus took their sins and paid for them. They can look beyond that cross to a grave where he was laid for three days and three nights, but that that grave couldn't hold him. Because a stone was rolled back on the third day and he walked out of there alive forevermore, conquering death and, and justifying, our, justifying us before God the Father forever. Lord, if we just look and believe, look and live, as the Scripture says. Lord, I pray for that soul out there, that they would turn to the cross of Calvary, kneel before Jesus, turning from their way, turning to Christ, and believing and being saved. Lord, for the ones who are, Lord, maybe just wasting their time, wasting their life, just going through it without a thought for service to God, I pray, Father, we'd be convicted. I pray, Father, that we'd, we'd cry out to you for direction and help, that we might be strengthened by Christ as we serve him day after day. Father, I just plead with folks who are listening today. I plead for them. You know their needs, and I pray you meet. Lord, we love you, and we give you glory today. And Jesus, we, we want to do it right. We want to give you honor and glory for all you've done for us. Forgive us where we fail and strengthen us to do it right in the future. We want to give you all the glory and the praise today. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank <laughs> you.